Hi and welcome to the St Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. So I've had the joy and privilege of watching a little bit of the St. Saviour's story um, over the last little while. Um, And it's amazing kind of just hearing all that God's been up to in this corner of London in Finsbury Park. Um, So it's actually great to actually be able to be with you in the flesh this morning. Um, Super excited, so thank you for having me. Um, So I understand that you guys have been in a teaching series over the past few weeks um, called With Me, which is basically doing a deep dive into Psalm 23, kind of looking at what it really means to rediscover that God um, is the God who is with us. And I've been told um, that over the past few weeks, you've been standing together and reading Psalm 23 out loud. And I, for one, am not one to break tradition. Uh, So if you just want to stand with me, um, hopefully the words are going to appear on the screen. I've got a clicker. I'm so excited. This is great news. Why don't we say this out loud together? So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a cracking chapter. Do grab a seat. So today we're looking at possibly the most famous um, part of this verse, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Um, And the title that I've been asked to preach on today is called Fearless Living. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus in such a way that even when we walk through the darkest of valleys, which we all inevitably will do, what does it mean to walk through those times, not consumed with fear or despair, but with a confidence and a trust in Jesus that gives us a hope that cannot be snatched away, like a peace that makes no sense to the rest of the world? And I'm aware that for some in the room, this isn't like an intellectual exercise right now. Like the dark valley isn't just like this abstract concept of what if in the future, but it's a really painful reality in this present moment. And for all of us, there are moments in our lives when the life you thought that was guaranteed to just roll out in front of you suddenly disappears. And what seemed like a spacious kind of green meadow rolling on towards the horizon is suddenly transformed into the deepest of valleys with no clear ending in sight. You know, whether it's the relational breakdown that comes out of nowhere and now you're just having to try and reimagine your life without the person you thought you'd spend it with. Or that moment um, as you sit in a hospital room just waiting for the results to come in. Or that moment after yet another panic attack subsides and you're left just feeling exhausted, like life is spiralling out in front of you. Like for all of us here, every single one of us, there are moments when the life you thought that was guaranteed, the green meadows, they just turn suddenly into the darkest of valleys. 
And it's in these moments of disorientation, of pain, that fear can enter the scene and overwhelm us. Fear quickly can become our master and we become enslaved to it. And the tragedy is that fear steals from us our joy, our hope. It traps us in a place of despair. Welcome to church. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> see some panicked faces here. But if Psalm 23 is true, like if what is actually contained within these verses isn't just a nice sentiment, it's not just some nice poetic language, but if it's actually true that despair doesn't need to be the settled state of our souls, then I don't know about you, but that's something that I know I need to pay attention to this morning. Like if Psalm 23, that amidst the very real darkness of this world, we have a light that even death can't extinguish, then we've got a story that the world needs to hear again right now. So wherever you find yourself today, like my prayer for us is that as we fix our eyes on Jesus again, we would rediscover the power and the hope of the gospel. And that's only going to be a work of the Spirit, so I'm just going to really briefly just pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that you are here in our midst. Lord, open our hearts to hear your gospel proclaimed afresh today. And would it land in a way it's never done before? Lord, would you use these words for your glory? Amen. Amen. So my hunch is that over the past few weeks, you probably have had your fair share of sheep-related facts. Um, I really think that if some people don't consider kind of farming as a career after this, then something's probably gone wrong. But my facts for you today have more of a geographical flavour, just mixing it up a little bit. Um, because these verses mention a place. They mention the valley of the shadow of death. And that sounds really kind of poetic language, but these types of valleys, they actually existed um, and they were commonly referred to in ancient Israel. They were places where the path would kind of wind between the mountains, where it became really, really narrow. In some places, the sheep couldn't even like turn around. Dangerous rockfalls were really common in these valleys. Flash flooding could happen in a moment. It was in these valleys that kind of predators would kind of hide in the cliff edge and they'd pick off the sheep one by one. So they were known as really treacherous places, but they were also totally unavoidable. Like there was no way round this. The only way to get to the other side was to go through it. And the same is true for us, right? Like dark valleys in life are not optional. They are unavoidable. We live in a broken world where pain and heartache is going to be part of our story. These aren't just places of kind of theoretical danger, but the threat is real. So the question for us that I want to look at today is like, what is our response when we encounter those times? We often say um, at KXC that the story you live in is the story you live out. So if the story we live in is one where this is it, the material world is all there is, where death is the end, then our response to a dark valley probably should be one of fear. But if we live in the story that evil has been defeated, that one day death and pain will be no more, then our response gets to be one of hope even in the midst of the darkest of valleys. So as we dive into this verse today, I just want to look at two really quick things. Like what is the story that you are living in? And what is the story that you're living out? How do we live out that story of Jesus? So firstly, what is the story you're living in? Okay, if I was to ask you today, what are you scared of? I wonder what would first come to mind. And before you start panicking, don't think too hard. We don't want any existential crisis happening right now. This isn't going to be group therapy. Do not worry. 
But I imagine for most of us, there's probably a whole range of things that come to mind, from the really kind of small and trivial to the kind of bigger, deeper things. And fear is one of the most primal instincts that we have. You know, it tells us that there's something wrong, there's a serious threat, we need to react to it. And fear can be, in that sense, a really good thing. But fear can also become a state that we live in, something that traps us. And fear can start to become the lens through which we see the world and how we see ourselves. And as I kind of look around um, this city at the moment, as I look around London, this settled state of fear seems so prevalent. Whether it's a fear of tomorrow, of uncertainty, of death, of losing control, of what might happen, of what is happening, and not without good reason, right? There's quite a lot to be fearful of. But this undercurrent of fear has become normal. Like it's normal to live in a state of fear at the moment. And if we scratch below the surface a bit, we start to see why. Because the world is living in a story where the only possible response to a dark valley is fear. The story that our culture is living in is crumbling under the pressure and the weight of the valley. So what is the world's story? What is the narrative that's dominant in our city? Well, our culture story is one that says there's nothing out there. There's no external truth. And so the only way to make meaning is to look within yourself. The only thing that matters is what is within you. And so you become the center of the story. And the main goal of life becomes kind of project self. And so the big purpose of life becomes kind of finding and maintaining inner peace. But because there's nothing out there, inner peace actually has to be found within you, which is quite a tall order. So in this worldview, the way to combat fear is to eliminate anything that could cause us to suffer. And at first glance, we're like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Let's eliminate things that could suffer us, cause us to suffer. But what this story is really saying is that the only way you can live without fear is if you have total control over your environment. If I can just control my world, get people to do what I want them to do, um, you know, live kind of a really zen life, have the best boundaries in place, then I will be peaceful. Then I will find inner rest. And maybe for a while that will create order. But as soon as something unexpected comes along, that carefully constructed world will just comes crashing down around you. Like it's a worldview that just stay, leads straight into despair as soon as you enter a valley. And if this is the best story that the world has to offer, is it any wonder that over the past few years, as we've journeyed through a pandemic, um, through economic crisis, war, a loneliness epidemic, we're faced with a generation filled with despair? Like the story that surrounds us is one that cannot provide hope amidst the suffering of this world. And so if the world's story can't actually eradicate fear, if the pursuit of inner peace remains elusive, then the next best thing is just to try and manage it, to keep fear at bay. And one of the symptoms of this, one of the symptoms of a culture overwhelmed by fear is we're a culture addicted to noise, addicted to constant distraction. Like we might not be able to solve some of those deeper fears and worries, so we're just going to do our best to drown them out, to cover them up so we don't have to deal with them. And you know, we're really good at doing this. I'm very good at doing this. Um, I looked at some terrifying stats for you. Um, the average person touches their smartphone over 2,600 times a day. Awful. The average time spent on phones is three hours 15, and for millennials and Gen Zs in the room, that goes up dramatically. Um, 
I know I'm really guilty of this. Like I listen to endless podcasts. I don't have a moment of silence. I'm just like constantly listening to podcast music, Netflix. And none of this stuff is wrong in and of itself. Please don't hear me. None of that's wrong. But we are a culture that does not know how to be alone with our thoughts. Like how to be still. How to be silent. Because we're scared if we do, we might just be confronted with fear and worries that we've got no solution for. You know, the truth is it's so easy for that fear that's dominant out there in our culture to actually be the posture of our hearts. To start living out the world story, forgetting the story of Jesus and living with this baseline of fear that limits the hope that we can have. Um, a few years ago, I actually used to live around this way. I used to live up in Archway. Um, and there was a pond that I used to pass every time I went for a walk. And it was one of those ponds that just constantly had people feeding the ducks there. Like, these ducks were the most well-fed ducks in the country. Like, I'm surprised they were able to fly anywhere. There was just this constant stream of baked goods being, like, chucked into this lake. And it was a pretty picturesque place. It was at the bottom of a beautiful hill. The scenery, just lovely. But if you looked a little bit closer, if you kind of walked up to the water's edge, away from kind of the ripples of Lidl's bakery section kind of being chucked into the pond, if you got to a place where the water was still, undisturbed, and you looked down, well, any illusion that you're in some blissful part of the countryside would evaporate instantly as you kind of saw the shopping trolley, like the throwaway bike, the barbecues, like you name it, it was at the bottom of this pond. But as long as there were ripples on the surface, the stuff was covered up. But when those ripples stopped, when the water was still, you could start to see the stuff that actually lay underneath. And as I've just kind of been praying for you guys, as I've been thinking about this talk today, this image has kept coming up for me. Because if for a moment we stopped throwing the bread into the water of our lives, if the ripples on the surface subsided, what would you see below? Like, would you see the settled state of your soul as one of peace and rest? Or is it actually one of fear and worry? And I wonder if for some of us here today, if we're honest, we know that we're living with a baseline of fear. And so it's much safer for us to just keep throwing stuff into the water, hoping that the busier we become, the more successful we are, the more fun we go after, the more control we have, we will hide those deeper fears. But the reality is it's just leaving us absolutely exhausted. But the thing is, Jesus invites us into a different story. Like what the world's story is powerless to do, Jesus invites us into a different way. Like Jesus' story shows us that peace does not come by meticulously curating your life or searching for it within yourself. Like peace is a gift that is given to you as you center your life on him. Like far from the world's narrative which says that peace can only exist in the absence of suffering, Jesus' peace is not dependent upon our circumstances. Like unlike the world story that says everything has to depend on you, we have a story that freely admits like I cannot save myself. In Jesus' story, we don't have to be fearful of the dark valleys because we have a good shepherd who has gone before us. Like he has walked through the valley of the shadow of death and out the other side. Like we have a God who doesn't just know what it means to be in that dark valley. He meets us in them, bearing on his body the very scars that ensured our freedom. 
Like when he died on that cross, he defeated death so that we might have a way through the valley to the other side in order that one day, like one day in your future, every single tear will be wiped away. And so whilst we experience pain now, we can journey through those times with an unshakable hope, knowing that our lives are eternally safe in him. Like he and he alone has the final word in history. He and he alone has the final word over your life. In the words of the poet Malcolm Guy, we discover that in fact we're not declining towards a sunset. We are traveling towards the dawn. Like this is the story we're invited into. And Jesus, he sums it up like this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Like in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Like, do you know Jesus like that? Because it's one thing to know about the story of Jesus. It's another thing entirely to trust him with your story. Like, do you know the peace and the hope that trusting Jesus brings, even in the midst of the darkest of valleys? So firstly, if we're invited to live in this story of Jesus, if Jesus has um, made a way through these dark valleys, secondly, how do we actually live this out? Um, And I just want to really briefly, just for the last few moments, highlight three ways that we live fearlessly, three ways we can live out Jesus' story. So firstly, we acknowledge the valley. You'll be pleased to note, living fearlessly does not mean we ignore our present situation. It doesn't mean that we deny our pain. Like, it's not a code word for insufferable positivity. It is not that. Instead, another way of saying to live fearlessly is to live in hope. And Christian hope isn't the one that says there's nothing wrong. Like, hope doesn't deny our reality. In fact, hope cannot be real until we're real about our suffering. And that is what makes it so incredibly powerful. So if you want to live with hope, then you have to daily bring your raw, your real, unfiltered prayers about the valley to Jesus. The kind of prayers like where you do not hold back. The ones with anger and lament and grief and tears and questions and doubts. Bring them to him that he can handle it. If we want to live fearlessly, we have to be real about the pain of the valley because it's in those moments when we're honest with Jesus that we actually allow in his comfort. He draws close to strengthen our hearts. He builds hope within us. So firstly, we acknowledge the valley. Secondly, we feast on truth. Um, Throughout the New Testament, the writers tell us that the way we live fearlessly is not just by laying down our fear, but by replacing it with something better, by filling our minds with truth. Um, In Philippians 4, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. It's like, okay, Paul, bit of a tall order. Um, But the word there in Greek is not actually this like kind of one-time anxious thought. It's this decision to stay and meditate on it. So Paul then goes on to stay, like instead of meditating on fear, guard your heart, guard your mind, think about whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure. In other words, like, do not meditate on fear, but call to mind again and again the good news that we have in Jesus. Like, we know this to be true with our bodies, right? Um, If we eat a load of rubbish food, if I have a load of McDonald's every single day, then my body is not going to thank me. And the same is absolutely true for our minds. Like, what are you filling your mind with? Is it things that lead to fear or is it things that are going to nourish you? 
Paul isn't saying that we're not going to experience fear or doubt. He's not asking us to turn those things off. He's asking us to hand them over. Because the danger isn't in that kind of immediate present thought. We're all going to have those. It's what we do with them. We can choose to dwell on them. But what you choose to dwell on, you believe. And what you believe has your heart. And what has your heart has your life. So when a fearful thought enters your mind, we're told to take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, when you find yourself thinking fearfully, choose to start thinking about the story of Jesus, of the truth of who he says you are, of what he's done for you. I promise you, like this has been the biggest thing for me, it will shape your life. You'll find your heart increase with hope. So acknowledge the valley, feast on truth, and lastly, trust his promises. Like the only reason that David, the writer of this psalm, is able to walk through the valley of death, it's because he trusts in the promise that God is with him. Like he doesn't just know about the good shepherd, he knows him intimately. And the same is true for us. Like it's all well and good to know about Jesus, to know the theory of the gospel, but it's a different thing entirely to know that Jesus is with you. It's his presence and his presence alone that changes everything. That you are not alone today. Like no matter how dark the valley has become, you have a God who wants to be with you, whose heart breaks with your heart, who weeps at you with the injustice and the pain of this broken world, but who also comes with power to lead you through to the other side. And just as I come into the land for the last few moments, um, I just felt it was right to share this story. And it it sounds pretty trivial um, in terms of what we're actually speaking about, but I just couldn't shake it. So it might just be for one of you in the room. Um, But as a little kid, I was really scared of the dark. I was kind of five or six, and I just was totally terrified. I don't know if you remember what it was like to be a kid and and to be scared, um, but it totally overwhelms you. And I used to pretend I was fine because I, you know, big and strong, didn't want to say otherwise, but I was absolutely terrified, um, especially at night, um, kind of in bed. And I would kind of just have this sense of like, oh, I don't know, oh, I'm like PTSD, but the works. it was just like, oh, terrifying, kind of in bed. And I just have this sense of like, oh, I feel like something scary is in the room. And my whole body would just freeze. And I was too scared to move, and I tense up really tight, like covers around me, muscles really tense. Um, and then out of nowhere, this song would used to drop into my mind. Um, and it was this song that my granny used to sing to me, um, and it's like a Sunday school song. It's just that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Like, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And I would be too scared to sing it out loud, just in case there really was anything in the room. Um, But as a little kid, I used to just whisper this to myself in my head. And each time I'd go through a verse, my body would just become a little less tense. I'd start to relax a little bit more until I fell asleep. And I'd still feel kind of the presence of something scary in the room, But when I sang that song, I felt the presence of something else enter the room, someone greater. And I would repeat the song over and over again. Um, And before you get any impression that I was a particularly holy child as a kid, that definitely was not the case. It was just this one song that I remembered. Um, But somehow this song seemed to silence the fear. Like the uncertainty of the darkness was still there. Like the light hadn't come on. 
But that song fixed my eyes on Jesus and the fear would literally leave my body. Um, and whilst you'll be pleased to know that I've gotten over my fear of the dark, um, over the years there have been other dark valleys that I've walked through in my life, um, as I'm sure we've all experienced, moments of grief, um, of pain. And yet my testimony is that in the midst of them, every single time fear has gripped my heart, as I've fixed my eyes on Jesus, the presence of someone greater enters the room. Like I have never been alone. Jesus has been with me. His spirit has been whispering to me, like, I love you. Like, you belong to a different story. You do not have to be afraid. Like, even in the midst of the darkest of valleys, we don't have to fear evil because he, our good shepherd, is with us. Like, come what may, whatever you are facing, whatever you will face, we don't have to live out of a place of fear because he has overcome the world. We're going to enter um, into a time of ministry now um, and a chance to respond to that. So why don't we stand? And I'd just love to pray for us um, and invite the Spirit to come and to minister to us. And just encourage you um, in this place, maybe just to close your eyes. You might want to um, put your hands out just as a sign of saying, um, like, Lord, like I'm, I'm ready to receive from you, just as you would if you were accepting a gift. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your presence with us. And I just ask now, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you meet with us? For anyone walking through a dark valley right now, come Holy Spirit with your comfort. Reveal where you are, where you have been. We're just going to wait in the silence for a few moments now.